Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's a, it's been a rough couple of weeks, guys. You know, lockdown number three over here in Ireland is just hitting on a whole different frequency. <laughs> it really is. It's, yeah, it's bad. I've no other words for it other than bad. <laughs> no, that's, that, that's quite right with that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so last week's episode was... Lee and Tracy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it'll probably be this week, so you're... (laughs) Sorry, guys. Okay, life is just railing us right now. (laughs) From both ends. From both ends. So, just, you know, give us a break. It's January. (laughs) It's January. It takes a lot of time to record and edit and post a podcast, you guys. That's why I'm fucking telling you, don't do it. Don't start a podcast. There's so much more work to it than... (laughs) Originally thought. Unless you have an extra 40 hours per week on, on, you know, average. On average. Priced on a bike. (laughs) Who knew? Who (laughs) knew? Not us. That's for sure. <laughs> so this week I'm gonna talk to you all about Eileen Warnos. Woohoo! Woohoo! Um yeah. She's super wild. <laughs> yeah, and Netflix over here in Ireland took away her documentaries. <laughs> Great, fantastic. Ireland just really pulling it out of the bag again. Right, I know. I was super looking forward to... I'd watched them before, but I was really super looking forward to actually watching them again. Yeah. Yeah, no. Also, don't move to Ireland if you actually cherish your Netflix, you guys. My cousin changed her, like, IP address that it was, like, picking it up that she was in America. So she was getting the American Netflix. And the things that they had on it was so much better. They were getting Midsummer Murders, which is a UK program, but it's not on the Irish and UK Netflix. Yeah, and I think they have Family Guy and American Dad. Like, I've used a VPN before, but mm. then I kind of get scared using that stuff, because then they're like, we've tracked you down! You're using a <laughs> VPN! You're like, what? No, not, not me. <laughs> not me, sir! Yeah, so I'm going to tell you about Eileen Warnos and her horrible start in life. Yeah, this is the thing. So, I have loved true crime growing up. Mm. Um, obviously, Bundy was like the. F- I think feel like Bundy is everybody's first that like gets you into it, and then like obviously I moved on to like learning more about different people like Albert Fish, that kind of thing. Mm. And then I really got interested in like super, like more solo cases. So yeah. I actually don't know much about like serial, like the major serial killers. Like I didn't know much about Ramirez. I don't know much about Eileen. Like, I just... Yeah, I, I don't really know much. So, I so love getting these stories because I know fuck all. Yeah, so it, yeah, it's always really fun when you know less. Because then yeah. it's really like, oh my god, what? Oh, this bitch did what? Mm-hmm. Okay. 
So I guess we'll just jump right in. Eileen Car- Carol Pittman was born on February 29th, 1956 in Rochester, Michigan. Her mother was a Finnish American named Diane Warnos and her father was an English American named Dale Pittman. So Dale and Diane got married at a very young age when Diane was 14 and Dale was 16. The, the pair had a son and then about two years later they divorced about two months before Eileen was born in 1956. Eileen's father was in prison at the time of her birth and as far as we know Eileen never met her dad. He was diagnosed with schizophrenia and was convicted for sex crimes against children. Oh no, ew! Mm-hmm. Um, her father committed... I know. Uh, Her father committed suicide in his jail cell in January 30th, 1969. So Eileen was only like 13 at the time. So yeah. Eileen's mother told the children one day that they were going to go visit their grandparents. So Eileen and the brother got in the car, drove to the grandparents' house and then they got out of the car. Eileen was only about two or three at the time. Okay. And then the mother just drove away and abandoned them with their grandparents, who eventually adopted them both in March 1960. Jesus, that's Mm. rough. It is rough. The mother was an alcoholic and a drug addict, so she was like, I don't want to look after these children. I want to go get high somewhere. Well, Mm. yeah. Thank God she did something smart, though. Well... Oh no. So Eileen was actually unaware that she was adopted for a few years. Like she thought her aunts and uncles were her brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually until the age of about 10 that she realised that they were her grandparents, not her actual parents. At a very young age, Eileen began to be sexually active, even in school, in return oh. for drugs, cigarettes and food. Oh, Mm -hmm. god yeah she also stated now we don't know how true this is she stated it she stated that she was sexually active with her own brother no no flowers in the attic type shit no yeah and like not like as in he abused her as in like it was consensual 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 incestual nastiness yeah no yeah no thank you no thank you Eileen claimed that as a child, her grandfather would force her to strip and he would sexually abuse her and he would beat her up as well. The grandfather would also let friends of his come over and engage in sexual activities with Eileen. Uh, no. Yeah. Um, what the fuck? Yeah. It's unclear if the grandmother was aware or not of this. There was no evidence to say that she was, but there was also no evidence to say that she wasn't. So... Oh my good God. Yeah. That is a rough start in life. Jesus Christ. Well, in it is. In 1970, when Eileen was only 14 years old, she became pregnant after her grandfather let another man rape her. And on March 23rd, 1971, she was sent to a home for unwed mothers where she gave birth to a baby boy and then that baby boy was put up for adoption. That's absolutely horrific. Like, I, this this girl, she, every person that was supposed to take care of her, mm. fucked her, let her over. Down. Yeah. Let her down yeah. so badly. Yeah, no, it is very sad. And... As well from what I like read and watched and stuff, um, most people didn't believe her that like it was somebody, like it was her grandfather's friends. A lot of people were just like, oh, but you were, you know, prostituting yourself out, like it's your own fault and like nobody kind of really... But why would you lie? Why would you lie about that? Exactly. What do you have to gain? Exactly. So I think like that's... This, that has a lot to do with the next part. So I'm also oh. going to say though, thankfully for that little boy he was put up for adoption because Eileen's crimes are horrific. Oh, okay. Like it is really sad that she was forced to, you know, like he was just taken away from her. Yeah. But the life that she had, I think it was almost better for the child because she didn't have a great life at all. Yeah. Well, I can understand that. But... 
I don't think like in those unwed mother homes they that's not what they were thinking about yeah it should have been up to her if she wanted to put him up for adoption or not not yeah okay give us your baby bye bitch yeah like they made such money off of those adoptions yeah it's unbelievable exactly so when she returned from the home from unwed mothers she dropped out of school shortly after that and her grandmother passed away from liver failure all kind of in and around the same time period and at the age of 15 her grandfather kicked both her and her brother out of the house Uh, pig he deserves to die screaming literally so the brother kind of went off in his own direction to do his own thing and Eileen began sleeping in a wooded forest that was at the back of the grandfather's house. And she then also started to hitchhike around different places. And then at night she would go to the streets to earn money as a prostitute. At the age of 18, on May 27th, 1974, Eileen was arrested in Colorado for a DUI um, for, for disorderly conduct after she fired a .22 caliber pistol from the car um, oh. mm-hmm. she was then charged with failure to appear at court for this and then in 1976 Eileen hitchhiked her way from Colorado to Florida where she met I think she's about 18 at this time so yeah she's about 18 at this time and she met 69 year old no she's older than <laughs> she's older than 18 <laughs> sorry she's like <laughs> 20 21 at this time she met 69 year old lewis gratz fell who was a yacht club president oh oh i'm the president of the yacht club would you care (laughs) for some bubbly (laughs) the pair began dating and quickly got married that same year and the news of their wedding was even printed in the society pages of the local newspapers She married him? Yeah, she married she him. She literally had the life set up for her. What the fuck? How yeah. does this go how does this go backwards? So Eileen used to get into a lot of confrontations at local bars and ended up spending time in prison for assault and was also known to be beating Lewis, once beating oh. him up with his own cane. Oh, not cool. He's old. Eileen. Right? Like... No, he just wanted to give you that good life with the yachts and the caviar and the the bubbly and the... You know. Like, let him. Let him. Let him give you that good life. Like, if you don't fucking want it, I'll take it. Good luck, Niall. (laughs) I'll come back to you when he dies and leave all his money to me. (laughs) So, after that... Uh, Lewis then got a restraining order against Eileen with like and this all happened within weeks of the marriage good lord Eileen get your fucking shit together mm-hmm. so Eileen then returned to Michigan now sadly on July 14th of that same year she was arrested for assault and disturbing the peace when she threw a cue ball at a bartender's head and then a few days later on the 17th her brother died of cancer. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. And she received $10,000 from his life insurance. I mean, that's enough to get you going. Um, Especially, like, in the 70s. Like, in the 70s, $10,000 was a lot of money. That is a lot, yeah. Um, After nine weeks of marriage to Lewis, their marriage was annulled on the 21st. Nine weeks. Nine weeks. <laughs> Oh my god. Mm-hmm. I've literally had constipation that lasts longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nine weeks of marriage. So then in August of that year, Eileen was given a fine for drink driving. So she used some of the money that she had inherited from her brother to pay off that fine. And then she bought herself a car um, mm-hmm. that she would wreck shortly afterwards like just totaled the car and apparently within two months she'd blown through the ten thousand dollars because she bought herself loads of luxuries but like okay i'm not saying that i would not do the same thing because i probably would like 
I am very good at spending money. I have to say it's one of my um It's a talent you know, that I have I have got. Yeah. It's probably Yeah, my you gotta work talent. hard on it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I mean I understand that, but ten grand, like yeah, okay, she bought herself a car and then wrecked it. But why didn't she also buy herself insurance with that car? Like, to pay I just I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. That's Eileen for you. <laughs> just Eileen. Do, 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 do. <laughs> um, on May 20th, 1981, Eileen was arrested again in Florida for armed robbery at a convenience store. She stole $35 and two packs of cigarettes. Um, I mean, like, I feel like that's not worthy of an arrest. I'd just be like, give it back. She no. had a gun. She robbed it with a gun. Oh, she had a gun. Mm-hmm. I li- Girl, no. <laughs> Literally. Um, so Eileen was sentenced on May 4th, 1982 and was released June 30th, 1983. And then she was arrested again in May 1984 for trying to cash forge checks. Uh, <laughs> she was using her aunt's name on these checks. Her aunt's name. Yeah, like, don't use family's name. No, 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 no. No. On November 1985, she was suspected, she was a suspect in the theft of a revolver and ammunition. And in January 1986, Eileen was arrested for car theft, resisting arrest and obstruction of justice and provided the driver's license of her aunt. Oh my god, Eileen is literally out here terrorising, <laughs> terrorising the place. Yeah. Do you not sleep, girl? Like, take a break. When police searched the car, they found a .38 revolver and some ammunition in the stolen car. And then, in June 1986, Eileen was detained by police after a male quote, companion, claimed she pulled a gun on him and demanded $200 while in his car. Okay, so hold on. This guy is paying for her services and for her company. She pulls a gun on him and he's like, you know what's a good idea? I'm going to call the police and tell them my story. When searched, Eileen appeared to have ammunition on her and under the passenger seat of the car, which is where she would have been sitting, there was a .22 pistol. In an interview that Eileen had done like years later, she she admitted that during this time she was very sloppy and never really hid the fact that she was like up to illegal activities. (laughs) (laughs) She just did not give a single fuck. Literally couldn't have given a flying shit. So, around this time, Eileen met Tyra Moore, who was a maid at a hotel in uh, Daytona Beach. It is said that the pair had an instant connection. They were lovers. Oh, I love to see it. Love to see it. So, the pair moved in together shortly after meeting, and Eileen supported them both with her earnings as a prostitute. So, like, Eileen would, like, go off at night and... She was doing crimes for love. For love. Um, they moved a lot from like hotel to hotel and um, what are they called? Motels probably, not hotels, sorry. We don't have motels over hotel, in Ireland. Hotel, motel, holiday inn. In July 1987, both Eileen and Tyra were questioned by police on the accusation of assault and battery with a beer bottle. The um, two of them together? Well, I think it was Eileen, but like... Tyra was there, so they were like, what happened, you two? What are you two up to? Are you doing true crimes? (laughs) (laughs) On March 12th, 1988, Eileen accused accused a bus driver of assault when she said he pushed her off the bus after a disagreement. And Tyra acted as a witness in defence of Eileen. And this would actually happen regularly with the two women. Okay. So a lot of the time, Eileen would like get herself into trouble, and Tyra would be the witness on behalf of Eileen. Mm. The police were like, mm-hmm. so then on November thirtieth, nineteen eighty-nine, Eileen was driven to a wooded area by Richard Charles Mallory, a 
51-year-old electronics store owner for, quote, sexual requests. Eileen later claimed that Richard sodomized and brutally beat her, and so in self-defense, she shot him several times. Richard was a convicted sex offender, and he was known as a client of Eileen's. So, two days after the murder, a county sheriff found Richard's car abandoned at the side of the road. Um, His body was not actually found until December 13th. He was found in a wooded area several miles from his car, and the cause of death was a bullet in his left lung that caused a major hemorrhage. Okay. Um, the, bo- the body was badly decomposed as bugs and insects had made their way into the body. Um, yeah. And Eileen stole some of Richard's belongings and had covered his body with some carpet. Oh, where did she get carpet from? I, that's what I was wondering. But I was like, maybe was it in the wooded area or something that they went off to? Resourceful. So as I'm reading out like her victims and stuff, some of them there's quite a good bit of information like Richard Mallory Mm -hmm. and then some of them it's just very much she shot them and that's it, you know. That's it, yeah. In case you're like, why does she, like, there wasn't, I suppose like all she did really was shoot them so there is no major like in-depth information about it. So on June 1st, 1990, the naked body of 43-year-old David Andrew Spears, a construction worker, was found along Route 19 in Florida. He had been shot six times by a .22 pistol. She again robbed him of some of his belongings and he had been declared missing since May 19th, 1990. So he was missing a few weeks before he was found. Damn. Mm Mm-hmm. The police did link the two crimes together as the M.O.s were very similar. But again, like, they didn't really, though, have any, like, fingerprints or anything at this time. Mm. So, on June 6th, 1990, the body of 40-year-old Charles Edmund Kirkskadon, I hope I said that right, was, who was a part-time rodeo worker, he was found in Pasco, Florida. His body was wrapped in electrical blanket and was badly decomposed. He had been shot nine times by a .22 caliber. She robbed him of his money. He had been missing since May 31st and witnesses actually saw Eileen driving Charles' car and she also pawned a gun that had belonged to him. Police then got a hold of the gun and they were able to get fingerprints off the gun which then would later on match Eileen's. Oh no, Eileen. Yeah, she really wasn't very, like, smart. (laughs) No. She just kind of thought about the money aspect of it. Yeah. This is when police started to take an interest in Eileen. During this time, Eileen and Tyra had been moving all around Florida while Eileen was doing sex work. Mm-hmm. On July 4th, 1990, the car of 65-year-old Peter Abraham Sims, a retired merchant seaman, had been found mm-hmm. um, in Orange Springs, Florida. In June, Peter was leaving Florida to travel to Arkansas. Peter was very much involved in a Christian outreach ministry. Oh. Yeah. Eileen stole Peter's car after she had attacked him, and his body was never actually found shit yeah but i feel like she a wasn't strong enough unless she had help to move him or b maybe he moved himself like maybe he was still alive when she left and he Mm -hmm. went somewhere else this is the thing because she would find these men and she would bring them out to like wooded areas out along highways and Mm. like you know long stretches of road so it was all like so the chances of their bodies being found were actually quite slim when you think about it because like Mm. them wooded areas that would be along those highways and stuff would be massive yeah huge huge you see she stole peter's car so the previous like victims their cars were found close to where the bodies were or they were found kind of near enough populated areas yeah so if this guy was driving from arkansas from florida if he was driving from florida to arkansas like she could have met him anywhere along that line yeah because she had been moving all around florida so she i don't i don't know where orange springs 
is in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm assuming like she could have met him in any other part of Florida. Yeah. Eileen then stole Peter's car after she had attacked him. Witnesses then saw Eileen and Tyra abandoning Peter's car after they were involved in a minor car accident. So what happened is Eileen stole Peter's car. Her and Tyra got in it, were driving along the road and she, I don't know, the car skidded into a ditch outside like someone's home. Mm. And then so that person came out and was like, oh my God, are you girls okay? Do you want me to call for an ambulance? And Eileen just straight up panicked and was like, no, we're fine. (laughs) And was like, shit. (laughs) So they just left, they just left the car there and like ran off basically. (laughs) Okay. Okay, gals. You do you. You do you. And Eileen was like, fucking shit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So when police got a hold of the car, they were able to get a partial palm print from inside the car that matched Eileen's prints. And the witnesses then were able to give police detailed descriptions of Eileen and Tyra. The police were baffled as who was fully responsible for all these murders because obviously they're happening scattered through Florida. So police are kind of like, what the what the shit is going on? Yeah. Like now they're starting to get fingerprints and other bits and bobs are starting to fit. And so they're kind of like, what the fuck is happening right now? Yeah. Um, which you can kind of get like, what? <laughs> yeah. Like why are these men being shot out in the middle of nowhere, stripped of their cash? I feel like a woman isn't the first thought you would have. No. I, Yeah. No, I don't think so. So on August 4th, 1990, the body of 50-year-old Troy Eugene Boris, a sausage salesman from Okla, was found in a wooded area alongside State Road 19 in Marion County. He had been reported missing on July 31st, 1990, and he had been shot twice. Just thinking about being a sausage salesman, though. <laughs> Literally, was like, what a job. What a fucking what job. A that fucking sounds job. amazing. Right? I'm literally thinking about it, like, did he go to shops, like like I, a rep would? Literally. Or did I'm he like, go door to door? I somewhat hope he went door to door, because can you imagine, like, someone knocking on your door being like, do you like your sausages at your local supermarket? <laughs> You got a sausage for me, young man. (laughs) I'll take it. On September 12th, 1990, the body of 56-year-old Charles Richard Humphreys, a retired US Air Force major who was also a former state abuse, child abuse investigator and a former chief police. Oh, I like him. Mm -hmm. He was found in Marion County. He was... Why did I mention he was fully clothed? He was fully clothed. (laughs) (laughs) I mentioned it but he had been shot six times in the head and torso his car was found abandoned in Suwannee County which reminded me of Pawnee in Parks and Rec oh yeah it reminds me of Sulani from The Sims you know there's an island called Sulani and it's where you can be a mermaid and I'm just really like The Sims (laughs) Sims, it's my favourite. Uh, two two teenage boys actually found Charles' body. They were out like riding their bike and they just came upon him. So on November nineteenth, nineteen ninety, the naked body, except for his socks, of sixty-two-year-old Walter Antonio, a trucker and sometimes security guard and police reservist, was found near a remote logging road in Dixie County. He had been shot four times and five days later his car was found in Brevard County. Hmm. So before I get into Eileen's arrest, we're going to take a quick little ad break. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And we're back. <laughs> Thank you. So, once the police had Eileen's identity, they led a media campaign on the murders and ran hotlines so that they could get tips on where they could locate Eileen and Tyra. And they got her identity from like partial from prints, and, partial stuff prints like and stuff like that. And they actually found many items belonging to all of the victims that the pair had pawned off. Yeah. And they were able to recover fingerprints from those items. So, mm. like, Eileen had, like, pawned jewellery or guns that she had, like, found in the cars that she'd stolen. Yeah. And then went off and pawned them for money and they had her fingerprints all over those. Hmm. Smart. <laughs> Pawn shops scare me. We don't have them over here, do we? No, we don't. Not that I'm aware no. of, anyway. They scare me. Like, I see it on Pawn Stars and, mm. like... Ugh. Imagine, like, I can't haggle to save a life. No. I'm not great at um, it. No, I get, like, you know, somebody tells me that something is a certain price. I'm like, okay, sir, thank you. You know? <laughs> yeah. It int- it's intimidating. And also, it how is. do they start? Like, do they just gather a bunch of shit and are like, you know what? I'm going to try and sell this. Like, what? Where do they get the stuff from to open up a pawn shop? I wonder, do they, like, collect them? For years, and then they go and open up the pawn shop once they have a sustainable amount. <gasps> you know what I do? I bet you they buy them lockers. You know the way you see the storage that lockers. Well? I fucking yes. love that program. Ah, uh, same. I love when they American TV is so good. American TV is the best, but nothing will ever beat Snapped. <laughs> no, Snapped. We are the, the, the biggest Snap fans here. But yeah, no, I love it when they like pay really, really big for a locker, for, um, and then there's nothing in it nothing in and they're it like so mad they get so pissed they're like lol and they always that's, get, that's like, the deal they also get like really aggressive with each other as well yeah they do what the fuck like they're always like very like i'm gonna get this storage locker just to spite the other and you're like why <laughs> Like, do you go home and sleep at night being like, I'm so glad I got that storage locker instead of the other guy? You know? What does it add to your life? What does it add to your day? Well, I guess they make money off it. Anyway, we've gone completely off topic here. If anybody knows how pawn shops start up and open up, let us know, please. That would be super interesting. On January 8th, 1991, Eileen was followed by two undercover police officers to... The Last Resort, which is a biker bar in Florida. <laughs> Class. I love the name. <laughs> she had nowhere to go and nowhere to stay that night, so the owner of the bar actually let Eileen sleep on an old car seat at the back of the bar. Um, and so then the next morning, on January 9th, the owner came back and was like, I'm opening up, like, you gotta, gotta get out now. So, skedaddle. Skedaddle. So the two undercover police officers, I think... From what I've watched in that, as far as I know, they kind of like sat with her the night of January 8th, you know, chatting to her, kind of trying to entice her to like leave with them. Yeah. And they had invited her back to their, quote, hotel room for her to like have a shower. They're like, why don't you come back to our hotel room? Like, we'll let you clean yourself up. Yeah. So she left the bar uh, with the two undercover police officers and she was arrested outside uh, under the pretense of an outstanding arrest warrant for a previous crime. Oh. So they didn't actually let her know that they knew that she was responsible for the murders. They arrested okay. her for something else first to try to see if they could like coerce, uh, not coerce, but get her to just admit to the other crimes first. Yeah. 
Tyra was not with her, so a hunt began to find Tyra, and they would actually find her in Scranton, Pennsylvania, in her hometown. <gasps> Scranton? Mm-hmm. That's where the office is! I know. That's her hometown. Oh my god! That's, Ty- that's Tyra's hometown. Guys, they're so, like, we have Parks and Rec in this, we got the office in this, this is just a fucking whale of a podcast. <laughs> so... Tyra agreed to help the police out with their investigation, so they offered her immunity if she could get... Suck my balls! Yeah, they offered her immunity if she could get Eileen to confess to the crimes and if she would then testify against her in court. And Tyra agreed. Oh my... Judas! Literally, and like Eileen... Literally, like, in interviews and stuff like that later on in the year, like, later on in life, was, like, Tyra was the love of her life. Like, you know, like, it really hurt. I mean, well, okay, she killed, like, how many people? Seven people? Seven, seven men. Yeah, so, like, she doesn't really have a leg to stand on, and she deserved that. But also, damn, like, well, this is, I, I thought this was a bit, like, Bonnie Clyde kind of thing. But no. no. So, Tyra, yeah, it's a bit kind of unclear. So, she told police that she was aware that Eileen had been committing crimes, but anytime Tyra, or anytime Eileen tried to kind of give her information about the murders and stuff, she would ask her to stop because she didn't want to know. She told police that. Yeah, she told police that she was scared of Eileen, and even though Eileen would promise. To never hurt her, she could still never be too sure. So, oh, oh my God! So she's yeah. just gonna travel with her around Florida, which is being scared of her out there criming. <clears throat> and then when she tries to tell her about her true criming, she's like, "La la 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 la! I cannot hear you." She kind of would ask Eileen not to tell her so that she wouldn't be an accomplice, so that she wouldn't know any of the dirty details. But like, where was she getting all these cars from? Where was she getting all the, all, like, she knew because, like, she's getting all these guns and all these, all this money and all these different, like, you know, rings and watches and stuff like that to pawn. Like, where are you getting them from? Do you know? And then, obviously, naturally on the news and on the radio is, you know, the murder of so-and-so. The body has been found. And it would be found in an area that they would be staying in. So, like, you know, two and two together makes four. Yeah. Yeah. But she was like... (laughs) She's like, what's her name again? Tyra. Hi, I'm Tyra. I'm 19 and I can't fucking read. (laughs) What is it again? And I don't fucking know how to read. Hey, can you read? Hey, Jared, can you read page number 22? No, I cannot. Hey, what's up? My name's Jared. I'm 19 and I never fucking learned how to read. Do, 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 do. That's literally her. <laughs> yeah, quite literally. She was like, la, 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 la. I know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so Tyra went back to Florida with the police and was put up in a motel where she would have to make phone calls to Eileen in jail and try to get her to admit to the murders. So Tyra would ring Eileen and tell her that the police were questioning her about these murders and that they think that she's responsible for them. And she would tell Eileen as well, like, news reporters are coming up and asking her about these murders and, like, you know, the whole world thinks I've committed the crimes. It took three days, but eventually Tyra got Eileen to confess to the murders. So... What happened was she kept constantly ringing her, being like, oh my God, Eileen, like, they're going to convict me for these crimes and I didn't commit them. I know nothing about them. Like, what am I going to do? And eventually Eileen would admit, admit to the crimes, admit to the murders, would make a full confession so that Tyra wouldn't take the fall. She was like, don't worry, Tyra, I'm not going to let you take the fall for this. Like, you didn't do anything. It's all on me. I'm going to go make a confession and made a full full-blown like yeah i did it but claimed that all seven murders were in self-defense she said that all of these men had tried to rape her and she shot them to stop them oh mm-hmm. she told interviewers at a later stage that she reckons that she slept with like two hundred thousand men but 
the math behind that doesn't really fully add up. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah I wouldn't. Yeah, so they were kind of like, what? Mm, doubtful. And so that's why, like, some yeah. of the things that she says, they're like, mm, like, she's saying that she slept with, like, she was like, it had to have been close to 200,000. And so then yeah. that's why then people are like, did she actually have incest with her brother? Yeah, yeah. It's hard to know. Eileen tried to have herself tested for, like, any anything, really, to show that she was not mentally stable to stand trial in an attempt to get an insanity charge. But it didn't actually go in her favour, and it was announced that she was mentally capable to stand trial and was mentally aware of the crimes she'd committed. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah, but oh, raging for you, like... <laughs> she was there, like... I know what I'm going to do. And then they're like, yeah, no, you know what you did. (laughs) Eileen had to stand trial for each victim that she had murdered between January and November 1992. Not the, sorry, I worded that weird. So she had to stand trial for each victim. Each trial, the trials took place between January and November 1992. So in 19, in January 1992, Eileen stood trial for Richard Mallory. She said that it was in self-defense. And normally previous convictions are not allowed to be used in criminal trials, but because of the Williams rule in Florida, prosecution were able to use evidence related to the trial to show that Eileen had a pattern when it came to the murders and how she had a a long line of criminal activity. So on January 27th, 1992, Eileen was found guilty and was convicted uh, for the murder of Richard with the help of a testimony from Tyra against Eileen. A psychiatrist testified on behalf of Eileen that she had had borderline personality disorder, but four days later she was sentenced to death. On March 31st, 1992, Eileen pleaded no contest to the murders of Charles Humphreys, Troy Burrez and David Spears. She stated that she wanted to, quote, get right with God. Eileen told told the court, court that, quote, I wanted to confess to you that Richard Mallory did violently rape me, as I've told you, but the others did not. They only began to start to. Okay, so Richard was the first victim, the wasn't he? The first victim, yeah. So she said that he did, in fact, attack her. And then what had happened was is that the rest of them only began to attack her. And before they could get any further, she shot them. Yeah. However, Eileen's stories would actually change daily. She would constantly change her story as to why she killed the men. Once even saying that she killed them in an attempt to rob them and didn't want to leave any witnesses behind. On May 15th, 1992, Eileen was given three more death sentences for these murders. Then in June of 1992, Eileen pleaded not guilty to the murder of Charles Kerkskadon. However, Eileen received the death penalty for his murder as well, which would make it her fifth death penalty. In November, Eileen's defence team tried to introduce evidence against Richard Mallory, that he had been and he had been tried for attempted for attempt to rape they have obtained records from his time in a maximum security correctional facility from 1958 to 1962 richard had been committed for treatment and observation the defense team had documents from 1961 stating quote it was observed of mr mallory that he possessed strong soci- sociopathic tens However, the judge would not allow it to be entered into court and denied Eileen's request for a retrial. Then, in February 1993, Eileen pleaded guilty to the murder of Walter Antonio. She received her sixth and final death penalty for this murder. Eileen was not charged with the murder of Peter Sims because they never recovered his body, so the police and the prosecution never had any evidence to tie her to the crime. Even though they knew it was her, there was just... they, They had no evidence to bring to trial. Yeah. Which is sad. But in the end, she did get tried. No, she didn't get tried. Like, it's been pinned on her. It's... Yeah, so, like, she... I'm pretty sure took accountability for it, like... Yeah. like, that was later on in life. But they had no... They'd nothing to tie her to the crime. 
Like they'd no evidence that it was her that actually murdered him. Eileen agreed to appear in a documentary about her crimes and did many interviews with the filmmaker Nick Broomfield. In one interview, which is the interview, in, I can't speak, which is the documentary that I wanted to watch on Netflix, but it's no longer on Netflix. Mm. Um, in one interview with Eileen, when Eileen thought the cameras were off, she told Nick that all the murders were indeed self-defense and that she hated being on death row. Again, though, she changed her story multiple times and it just really seemed like it depended on her mood. Yeah. Like, if she was in a bad mood, she did it because she hated them. If she was in, like, a sad mood, it was, no, it was self-defense. Right, okay, yeah. Um, Eileen was assessed using a sociopathy checklist. The checklist evaluates people on a 20-item list of antisocial and interpersonal behaviours. Each mm-hmm. item is then scored with a 0, 1 or 2, with the highest score being possible a 40. So depending on the location and the research perspective, scores that were above 25 or 30 were consistent with a, diagno- with a diagnosis of, socio- of you being a sociopath. Eileen scored a 32 out of 40. Damn. Yeah. Eileen was incarcerated in Florida Department of Corrections, Broward Correctional Institute, or BCI, which Eileen refers to it later on as BCI. She was on death row for women. She was later then transferred to Florida straight state prison for execution she had appealed to the u.s supreme court but that was denied in 1996 however in 2001 she wrote a petition to the florida supreme court where she had dismissed her legal counsel and stopped all appeals yeah she wrote quote i killed those men robbed them as cold as ice and i do it again too there's no chance in keeping me alive or anything because i'd kill again I have hate crawling through my system. I am so sick of hearing this she's crazy stuff. I've been evaluated so many times. I'm confident, sane, and I'm trying to tell the truth. I'm one who seriously hates human life and would kill again. Damn, that's like, but I feel like that's a big turn, you know? Right, like that's like just like a whole 180. Yeah. Uh, Her lawyer tried to argue with the courts that she wasn't mentally competent to make these requests. And Mm. to, like, fire her legal staff. Do you know, they were like, she's not mentally all there. Like, she shouldn't be allowed to do this kind of a thing. But yeah, a panel of psychiatrists and Eileen all agreed that she was aware of what she was saying and doing. So Mm. she, yeah. In 2002, Eileen began to accuse prison workers of tainting her food with dirt, urine and saliva. Oh. Yeah, she claimed she overheard a conversation between two prison officials stating, quote, trying to get me so pushed over the brink by them, I'd wind up committing suicide before the execution, wishing to rape me before execution. Oh, Christ! Yeah. Now, she didn't have any proof that this was happening to her. She kind of just was like, this is what they're doing to me. This is yeah. where she kind of becomes a bit not all there, to be perfectly honest. She would also complain about strip searches and tight handcuffs and talked about how they'd kick her cell door, constant window checks, and that there was low water pressure when she went for a shower, but not with other pe- not with other inmates. She also stated that there was mildew on her mattress and, quote, Cat calling in distaste and pure hatred towards me. It kind of is giving me Orange is the New Black vibes. Like, that could have been happening and she would have had no way to prove it. I mean, it's very possible that it was happening to her. But then also, yeah, she also says some other weird shit, though, that you're like, what? Eileen began boycotting showers and food trays when certain officers were on duty. Quote, in the meantime, my stomach's growling away and I'm taking showers through the sink of my cell. Her lawyer made a statement saying she really just wants to have proper treatment, humane treatment until the day she's executed. She believes what she's written. Yeah. 
So in the weeks before Eileen was executed, she did interviews with Nick Broomfield again and talked about, quote, being taken away to meet God and Jesus and the angels and whatever is beyond the beyond. In her very last interview, she talked about how she was tortured at BCI and how how her head was crushed with sonic pressure during interviews that were coming through the mirror, which was not a mirror. It wasn't even like a two-way mirror. It was like a high-frequency telly. Oh. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. She also talked about how her food was being poisoned and how when she complained about what she had been suffering, the abuse got worse and the sonic pressure would get higher. Right. So her mental health was just deteriorated like it's not yeah yeah she also made claims about how they tried to make her look insane and then she turned on her interviewer stating quote you sabotaged my ass society and cops and the system a raped woman got executed and was used for books and movies and shit and then her last statement towards the camera was thanks a lot society for railroading my ass she does not know where she stands at all. No. Like, that's obviously, her life was tough and her life was shitty, but... The same can be said for every fucking killer. Do you know? Like, it doesn't mean you go out there and you murder a bunch of people. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't. Like... Yeah. Yeah. No. You weren't railroaded, girl. You did what you did. You got the punishment for it. Mm. Just get on with it. Eileen was executed on October 9th, 2002. She died at 9.47am. She declined her last meal and opted for a cup of coffee instead. Her last words were, Yes, I would just like to say I'm sailing with the rocks and I'll be back like Independence Day with Jesus. June 6th, like the movie. Big mothership and all. I'll be back. I'll be back. Right. But then when it gets to that point... Like, there's a conversation around this at the minute. Is it right to execute somebody who's not mentally understanding, really, Mm. what's happening, that this is the end of their life? Like, that's one of the reasons why I don't agree with the death penalty. Do you know, like, how are you to decide that some... Like, how are you to decide if somebody is fully, 1000% mentally capable of understanding what's happening to them? And what they're doing. And, and what they're like, doing. I think at the time that she committed the crimes, I do think that she knew what she was doing. But come the time that she was due to be executed, I think her mental health had deteriorated so yeah. badly that, like, is it fair to do that to somebody who... It clearly, yeah, who, yeah, isn't all there, doesn't have the full understanding of what's happening. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Eileen Warnos was the 10th woman in America to be executed since the 1976 United States Supreme Court decision restoring capital punishment. Eileen's body was cremated and her ashes were spread beneath the tree um, in her hometown in Michigan by a childhood friend, Don Botkins. Nick Broomfield later commented on Eileen's motive and her state of mind, saying, quote, I think this anger developed inside her. And she was working as a prostitute. And I think she had a lot of awful encounters on the roads. And I think this anger just spilled out from inside her. He also said, you could say something that she didn't agree with. She would get into a screaming black temper about it. And I think that's what had caused these things to happen. And at the same time, when she wasn't in those extreme moods, there was an incredible humanity to her. So... The guy who did the documentary, Nick Broomfield, basically, he had said, because there was a lot more to it, but he basically was saying yeah. that he he didn't think she understood the difference between a disagreement and, like, a full-blown, like, argument, like, yeah, with shouting and violence and all of that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. if you disagreed with her, and he said, like, it could have been something extremely minor, she would literally, like go red in the face with rage and so that I think then can be that could be then a testament to maybe there was a disagreement with these men these seven men yeah and she didn't fully understand that it was just a disagreement and so she thought she had to kill them yeah 
Maybe. Maybe, which we'll never really know. No, we won't. And that's the thing. Mm. Yeah. There has been many documentaries about Arlene and her crimes, two of which were directed by Nick Broomfield. And there was also many, many books. There was also a film named Monster starring Charlize Theron as Arlene. Uh, that was apparently a big hit. Eileen's oh. crimes were consistent with that of a psychopath or a sociopath or whatever you want to. Mm. Uh, her childhood, that being physically and mentally and even sexually abusive, are linked to the development of her borderline personality disorder. Um, the things that Eileen experienced in her life, starting at a very young age, can also interpret it, interrupt sorry, interrupt the development of the mind and result in primitive, dissociative and splitting defences towards to ward off the intensity of emotional and sexual stimulation is what was quoted by officials. <laughs> While Eileen was in prison, she actually made a pen pal named Arlene Prowl, who was a born-again Christian who... Mm. Yeah, she was a bit of a job, to be perfectly honest. She was a horse breather from Tennessee... Oh my god, so she literally would have been Arlene! Yeah. So, she wrote to Eileen stating that, quote, I don't care if you're guilty or innocent, but I want to be your friend. So she basically said that God wanted her to be friends with Eileen and she actually went on to adopt Eileen. What? Adopt a fully grown woman? Yes, she adopted a fully grown woman. I didn't think you could do that. No. And she she was married. Like, she's... I don't know if she's still alive or not. I assume she is. But she's married. And the husband was like, at first I thought she was nuts. But um, then I grew to understand why she done it. Right. That's just weird, bro. That's just weird. Yeah. It is a bit... It's a bit strange, but... You know. Yeah. Arlene stated that there was parallels between her life and Eileen's and that she felt connected with her spiritually. Um okay. You you know what you do you. I have I have okay, whatever. Whatever. So some people have stated that Arlene was America's first woman serial killer. I don't think that's actually true, but That's she's, not true. <laughs> no. I would highly doubt it. Um but she's probably possibly the most notorious woman serial killer in america so mm-hmm. yeah yeah so that's Eileen Windows, everybody. thank you for that niece You're i enjoyed welcome. that good she had a really tough life and then she kind of went a bit insane in her later life yeah she sure mm-hmm. did she sure did which is sad in a way because you know also, I suppose, like, a part of society could be blamed for that because, you know, once they heard that she was a prostitute, it was probably, like, free for all. Yeah, exactly. And she was 15 on the streets. That has yeah. to account for something. Yeah, exactly. Like she, And I think she was about 12, 11 or 12, like, when she started essentially prostituting herself out for drugs and food. and. Yeah. Yeah. You know... Obviously, things were that bad at home that she felt like she had to prostitute herself out for food during school. Which is and like, who is paying to be with the 12 and 13-year-olds? Sick fucking weirdos. Sick freaks. What's the chances one of those was a teacher? Oh, absolutely. I put money on it that it was a teacher. Fucking sickos. Die in hell. Well, die and then go to hell and then you'll die multiple times in hell. Be great. Be great. Do it. Go on. Thanks. Yeah, do it. Yeah. So really hope you enjoyed this week's episode, you guys. Um I know I did. We will try and get ourselves back on track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we got some suggestions to from you guys. So um I've started researching <clears throat> them just to kinda see which one's my favourite. Get a feel, you know. <laughs> get a, feel. A, a case generally calls out to you before you call out to it or you go looking for it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Inspiration strikes and you're like, I have to do this person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, that has been this week's episode. If you really, really liked it, 
Make sure you are following us on Instagram and Twitter for updates when the next episodes are posted and stuff. And, you know, sometimes we're fun. Sometimes. <laughs> Both <laughs> of those are at Give Us Morg. You can also check out our... Um, what was I going to say? You can also check out our website, www.giveusmorg.com, where you can, you know, also find updates and stuff like that. And... If you feel like it, if you feel like being super duper generous, you can leave us a review on wherever you can leave a review, wherever you listen to us, mm-hmm, which you can listen mm-hmm. to us anywhere that you get your podcasts. You sure can. And if you want to see who you're listening to, if you're like, who are these wacky, brilliantly talented, sexy <laughs> ladies, you can go to our own personal Instagrams, which are at Meg Powell underscore and at Mrs. underscore Neve. Thank you. All right, you guys, we're going to leave you to it. Have a beautiful day. Have a beautiful week. Have a beautiful life and do your best and keep showing up. And that's all the tips that I found on the Internet for inspirational <laughs> stuff. And <laughs> hey, you know what, guys? We're about to start another week. By the time this episode comes out, it'll be the middle of the week. You are doing a fantastic job. You're almost there. You've almost made it another week. Congratulations. Yeah, we're a week closer to being out of lockdown, going to concerts, going on vacation or holiday. We can fucking do it. Look forward to brighter mornings, later evenings. It's going to be great. <laughs>